Hey everybody, this is Justin Michael Williams with Motivation for Black People, giving you trusted guidance to make your life better. And you see the title of this episode. It's the year of return, and we are talking about going back to Africa, going back to Ghana. And I have on the line with me right now my brother Kojo Apong. And if you guys don't know Kojo, listen to me. This guy is really doing some major things in the world right now. He does business development between the USA and Ghana, doing strategic partnerships. He had a partnership between Vogue and the Ghana Tourism Authority, which some of their stories trended at number one and number three. He also works with TED Global and brought the NAACP to Ghana. And this is just like a small item on the list. I had to tell Kojo, I was like, hey man, can you tell me just a few things to say to the people? And he was like, I don't want to brag, but you know, I do business development between the USA and Ghana. And I'm so honored to have him on this call right now because we are going to talk about something that I personally have been really interested in the last year in what it would be like and why even um, we would make this return. And there are so many people around the world doing it to visit or to move. And there's nobody better to talk about this topic today with us than Kojo. So Kojo, thank you so much for being here with us today. Justin, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, brother. So first, let's talk about this. First of all, the topic for people who haven't heard of it, the year of return. Why is this the year of return? What does that even mean? What's the deal? Yeah, so the year of return, uh, you know, funny enough, this is going to blow people's minds. Uh, there's a gentleman in the White House right now named uh, Donald J. Trump. I oh, yeah. You know, might have heard of this dude. <laughs> yeah. So he signed into law. Uh, something called HR 1242. And so if you Google HR 1242, it's the 400-year commission. And so what this law does is it essentially sets up a commission to commemorate, highlight, research, educate people on 400 years. What does that mean? So 1619 is the first year on record when enslaved Africans were brought to the Americas. So that's when chattel slavery started. And so this year being 2019, it's 400 years since that point. And so what Ghana is saying uh, is that if you look at where the slave forts were built or constructed, Ghana is home to about 50 to 70 percent of those. And wow. so it is only right for Ghana to say, hey, you know, let's really let's have a conversation. Let's engage in dialogue and let's have people come to Ghana um, and really just understand this piece of our history that we don't really talk about, right? Especially in America, right? It's, it's, it's taboo to talk about it, right? You talk about it, people get offended. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and it causes all these unnecessary emotions because it happened and we have to talk about it. And so Ghana is essentially leading the way and blazing the trail for that conversation to happen. And so we can talk about this at length. So that's why, you know, if you follow social media, Michael J. White, Boris Kojo, Jadena, Naomi Campbell, I mean, a bunch of people are in Ghana this holiday season to really kick off the year of return. Yeah, man. And this is amazing. And just for context, you guys, like I met Kojo through um, a member of our Power 28, Dorea Green, um, who went to Ghana as well on a trip that Kojo helped plan and coordinate. And she told me that her mind was blown because she learned so much about these different things that she'd never been told or never heard of being a person here that's African-American, you know, a huge part of our history literally sliced away 
you know, from our knowledge. And there's so much richness there. And she just told me that it, it changed her life completely going there. Yeah, it, it changed my life, man. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree with her completely on so that. Are you, are, where are you from? Yes, yeah, so I was born in Ghana okay. uh, and then raised in a country called Botswana. So for context, from a geographic perspective, you know, Ghana is in the West and Botswana is, you can think of Canada uh, to the U.S. So it's right above South Africa. Got so it. So Botswana is a small landlocked country above South Africa. So I stayed there till I was nine and then from age nine through uh, 29 lived in the U.S. And I've recently... Uh, moved to Accra, uh, Wagana, as of July of last year. Wow. Okay. So you have the perspective of living in both worlds completely. <laughs> so this yeah. is, and and what do you feel like is so for us Americans, you know, and what do you think is the big reason, like the big draw for going back to Ghana, returning to Ghana? To Ghana. I mean, and just from speaking to people like Anthony Anderson, who was here with his wife. Um, you know, people like Boris Kojo, who is here with his wife and kids. Um, you know, it's 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 a spiritual journey, right? It's more of a self-discovery um, journey. And so with Dorea, it was, it was it was something in her that essentially said, "I've been lied to," right? Yeah. And so coming to Ghana for her, funny enough, her birthday was the Thursday after uh, the day, either the day or th- Thursday after she arrived. But long story short. By the time she left, you know, you can see this fire had been a, uh, either awakened or reawakened in her. Yeah. And the same thing happened to me. Uh, and the same thing is happening with countless people who are not even from Africa, quote unquote, in the sense that they were born here. Uh, they were born in the U.S. They happen to be, you know, of African descent. And what I'm seeing is a ton of them are moving back and are having an amazing experience Good and bad, you know? Yeah, and I, I mean, I know a lot of people that are actually, that are going back, and I know you were talking about Dorea's experience. Like, she, I mean, her mind was, she came back just top, blah, 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 telling me every, like, she was so amazed. Justin, you have to go, you have to go. And I'm and I'm saying it here on the record, on the podcast, I have, I am going <laughs> to go to Ghana in 2019. That is my word. Yes. I'm coming Listen. in 2019. Yes, so... <laughs> Before this call is up, I'll give you a Ghana name because everyone who has ever been born has what we call an Akan name. And so you name people based off the days of the week. So Kojo, my name, means a male born on Monday. And if you're a woman, it's Ajwa. So for those listening, you just type in your date of birth. It will tell you what day you were born. And you literally just type in. Oh, I'm checking right now. Yeah. So type in the, like, if May 9th. 1862. I mean, Kojo, like it was you. a Monday. <laughs> so you're Ko- Kojo. There we yeah, go. We're Kojo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Funny part about it is Dorea's dad is also Kojo. So oh my God. <laughs> we're all Kojos. And what else do you type in so people can see what the names are? Yeah. So if you type in uh, Akan, A K A N, day names, so D A Y names, mm-hmm. it will pop up. Or just Ghana day names. Keep it simple, right? It pops up. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, I see it. Sunday, Akwazi. Monday, yep. Kojo. Tuesday, yep. tell me if I'm saying it wrong. Kwabena? Kwabena, yep. Kwabena. Wednesday, mm-hmm. Kwaku? 
Kweku. Yep. Kweku. I'm messing these all up, bro. Tell you say yes, them. Yes, do. By the time you come and leave Ghana, you, you, you'll be a pro. I sound like cool. such an American, like, fool saying these <laughs> names. I'm trying, you guys. I'm trying. So, okay. So, let's get back to the topic here. So, I want, can you tell me, so you you lived here, you know, in, this, in the States and then moved back to Ghana. Like, what... What was your experience like being in the United States? Did you feel like there was something missing that was drawing you to return back? Because I know some people have never even thought about this, right? Never even mm-hmm. thought about going back. So what was your experience like being here? And then how was that different um, than what it's like being there? That, that's a great question. Um, it's funny. Now you're prompting me to go back to start writing again. So I started a a blog about this. And so I remember January 3rd, 2000, and that was my first day in an American school in a city called Orange, New Jersey, that I now know is, is the hood. Yeah, Didn't man. Know, I had a, I had an ex who lived in Orange, so I'm very familiar. <laughs> Listen, I didn't know the hood existed. I didn't know when I just came from Africa, you know, and I was fortunate in Africa. My parents did well. My dad was a project manager based in Habroni, Botswana. So he'd be home for two weeks and then he'd travel the world as a project manager. I mean, I, he has pictures, you know, from standing at the hotel that used to exist across from the White House. He traveled to Japan. And so growing up, I was always exposed to travel. My mom was a businesswoman, owned two salons. Uh, she traveled to South Korea, buy stuff. So that was my norm, you know, and the people around me, the friends and family members I knew, that was what we did you know we lived well and so coming to america that remember that first day in school kids would ask me things like dude did you live in the house do you have you know do you live in trees and i was confused because i had just came from an airplane you know right right and you know most of the kids had never left orange you know and so i know that now but back then it was just confusing right why are these children asking me if i eat animals or we all eat animals we eat chicken right so it was just a very confusing uh initial interaction it was mostly african-american kids that were asking me this and so to your point on identity what i now know that i did not know then was that this was the result of 400 years at that time 390 whatever it was 380 years of negative false information right because these children who lived in orange all they knew about their counterparts in Africa was these pe- these people are poor, right? Um, and they live in huts. And I don't want to be them, right? Right. And so, I remember there's a Jamaican uh, woman, young girl at the time, and you know, I remember second or third day, people were making these jokes about, yeah, you know, Terry, you should try to talk to her. And she said, I remember she said, I don't date Africans. And I said, huh. T- that's funny. In 2019, it seems everyone wants to date an African now, right? Yeah, so it's yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> We've come full circle, right? And that's because, in my opinion, it's because social media, right? And how we're all now able to wake up. And the first thing people do is go on Instagram. And you can see your friend just visited South Africa. It was just in Lesotho. It was just in Morocco and Accra and Lagos. And they're taking these amazing pictures. And you're seeing that, oh, my goodness this exists. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we like, you know, I remember just for me, you know, growing up, like the only, the only image, first of all, we didn't hear shit about Africa 
in history yeah. books, right? But then the yeah. only time we ever heard about Africa was on these, like, the pictures of the starving kids, um, you know, and the mm-hmm. people living in huts, and we have to save Africa. And it was almost like, it was almost really subconsciously giving you this image, like, how lucky are we that we're not in Africa? You know, that's the, it, that's the image that was being portrayed. And Dang. that's not the case, yeah. you know? it's <laughs> not the case. Yeah. I mean, but it, it works, right? Because if you think about what America is, it's 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 the greatest place on earth for PR, right? Yeah. It's a PR machine that works. The American dream is a PR tool that works, and it draws in millions of people to leave their countries to come and search for this better life. And then you realize that, hmm, how much better is this really if at my core and fundamentally I'm not happy? Right. And you have, you know, people like LeBron who are worth all this money opens up a school and the president calls him idiot. Right. Or he gets home and they write nigger on his house and a multimillion dollar mansion. Right. So no matter where you reach, you have never arrived. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what I'm seeing is a lot of those people are coming to Ghana and they don't feel other. You know, Michael J. White just wrote a very powerful post on his Instagram page about this very topic, how since he became a subchief and I was at his I was at the the instooling, you know, there's all this hate and animosity and questioning. And it's he, he, he eloquently put it that we're supposed to think that way. We're supposed to not want to connect with Africa, as you said, because that place needs help. And, you know, we are better than them. And we we how do we associate with this continent? That's just full of poverty, right? And so, you know, there's a lot to unpack in, in that entire conversation and thought process. However, as you've said, and it's it's PR. Yeah. Right. You're not you're not supposed to want to go to Africa. But when I came to Africa, I saw a bunch of white boys and Europeans that are starting businesses. And the people that own most of the businesses, as Dereya saw, are Lebanese or they're Indian or they're Chinese and they're making a ton of money. Because here there is no credit system. So if someone is driving a Benz, they paid cash and they own it. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's a different type of wealth. Um, and there's a different type of poverty, which also exists in L.A., Skid Row right. or New York. We just, again, the PR machine called America, we don't show that. Right. Yeah. Or Flint, where there isn't any clean water. Right. We don't show that. We show all oh, the glitz and the glamour and Times Square. And they don't show you that Times Square is filthy and dirty because I lived there. Right. So. It's just about the PR and what's happening now with the Full Circle Festival with Boris Kojo and all these people and everyone that comes to Ghana and takes pictures is we're starting to reawaken and say, hold up, they have that? Hmm, let me go and explore. And that's leading to this year of return where, you know, tons of people hopefully will come and relearn, uh, let me, excuse not relearn, just realign, in my opinion. I love that word, realign. Ooh. Yeah, Um, with the truth. It's realigning with the real truth that has been stolen, really, from us because it's not separate from us. And that's the one thing that, you know, I think just in the last couple of years, being very transparent, like I've had, you know, it's like when people say African-American, a lot of people think, well, like, I'm not African just because you didn't weren't born in Africa, but that's exactly what the system was created to make us feel, right? That we were disconnected 
from this place. Like if you if you talk to most white people, just going like here, right, that have been born in America, they're like, oh, well, I'm Irish and I'm Scottish, and they know exactly where their families came from, tracing back, back, back hundreds and hundreds of years, right? And they have some pride about that. But somehow with Americans, African-Americans, with that hyphen, right, with that hyphen African-Americans, we have been brainwashed to think that we're not African somehow. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's just cool. wild, yeah. right? Yeah. It's funny because I was, I was talking to a friend and, you know, the big thing is, as you know, there's this American dream. And the big concept now is what is the African dream? And that's a global question, right, for everyone who's ever been from Africa. And over the past few years, I've had a few things happen to me. So I was talking to a gentleman, Patrick Awua. Uh, Patrick, you know, became a, a millionaire before age 30, worked at Microsoft, Story on that was he left Ghana, went to Swat, Swatmurth, uh, you know, education, right? Became an engineer. And then when he became a father, he said, hold on, something is missing. I cannot sit here in the U.S., live this, you know, this comf- comfortable life. And my people in Ghana are not receiving the same. And so he moved to Ghana and started this amazing institution uh, called Ashesi University. And when I first met Patrick, he taught he, he talked to me about how, you know, when he first came to America, uh, at that point in time, people were talking about how much of a basket case Asia was and how Asia was a worse case than Africa. And there was zero hope in Asia. And so what happened between then and now was what he said, which stuck with me was you had the Asian tigers, you had Singapore, Hong Kong, all these places became modern. And so now if you were Asian in America, you felt a sense of pride because you could look at an Asian country and say, look at what's possible, Yeah. right? And so when you look at African-Americans, Afro-Caribbeans, whatever you want to term us, where is that African country? It's not South Africa, by the way. We know that. Uh, where you can point to a place in Africa and say, this is what's possible. And Ghana is looking to become that. Rwanda, I mean, there's a lot of issues there let's say that and so that's what we haven't seen yet as black people globally a place where we can point to and say outside of america which we built right this is what we've done and if you look at the word african-american for me african-americans are the most powerful people on earth because it's the only if you if you take away the afr and the ameri amer it's the only hyphenated word that says I can twice. Oh, man. Oh, you got to say that one more time. Just say that one more time for the people. That's so good. (laughs) So if you look at the word African, it has I can hidden in there, right? And if you look at the word African-American, it's the only hyphenated. Think about it. Asian-American, Caucasian-American, Indian. It doesn't have that. But African-American is the only hyphenated word that says I can twice. Mm, I can, I can, I can. That is powerful, man. I'm sitting here like with my eyes closed, just feeling that. That's so powerful. Right. Uh, And so if you think about our story, 400 years of resilience, you know, who else? I mean, think about what's been done to us. Just think about this. And we still, yes, we can. I can. Right. And so that is what drove me to really just make a decision to be in Ghana and see how my minor efforts coupled with you know some really strategic collaborations 
can help more people rediscover who they are. Yes, yes, yes. And this is, I mean, this is just a perfect moment because now all I want to know is like, okay, so what's Ghana like? So, you know, we talked about why. <laughs> so like if we come there, what do we have to expect? Um, yeah. Ghana is, so I'll, it's funny because I'm thinking of my, my next TED Talk, right? I did get a TEDx talk and I'm thinking about how I want to start it off. And in the U.S., right, when you hear the ice cream truck, what do you think? I just gave it away, right? Ice cream. Yep. In Ghana, when you hear that same sound, what do you think people are thinking about? Just wild guess. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else you would think of other than ice cream or like running down the street chasing a truck. <laughs> That's all I think. So, so in, in Ghana, when that's, when, in the morning when I hear that sound, it's the garbage men, right? Oh, so really? <laughs> literally... Ghana is a place where what you expect as a norm or what you think is the norm is completely turned on its head. Wow. Right. It's, it's, it's the wildest West, right? It's, it's being able to be in California doing the gold rush when there's massive opportunity and everyone's rushing there to, to, to chase their fortune. That's where, you know, we have open gutters next to 40, $50 million apartments. Wow. Right? It's where we have, you know, people dancing. And as you said earlier, you heard music in the background because it's just a festive culture. People are very open. You know, we say Aquaba, it means welcome. And that's just who we are. We're very lovable people. And at the same time, that is, in my opinion, our biggest downfall. Uh, we invite everyone in. Uh, we don't really screen people, you know. And so because of that, you know, people come in and take advantage. You know, they come in and they do what they need to do because they can. This is a very enabling environment for many, many things. And so Ghana in itself, I look at it as a canvas where as an artist, it's semi-complete. However, you can come in and you can make your own piece of art. Yeah. And so that's what Ghana presents to many people. Derea, who saw it, um, you know, Boris Kojo's crew who came. Uh, now, it wasn't all black people. There were some white people, too, and they had a great time. And one of them said to me, I'll be back, right? So it's not just for black people. And another thing that you'll find in Ghana is, so Ghana, geographically, is the center of the earth. And it's not me saying it. You can look this up on Google. Uh, zero, zero, the closest place on earth, on land, is in a town called Tema, T-E-M-A, in Ghana. And so I feel as though for me, Ghana is the world's heart. This mm. is where you find the most lovable people. You'll find the friendliest people. And we all have a little bit of polishing to do. However, that's why Ghana is saying for you all to come home and help us. Let us complete what we've started. You know, let us build this, this Wakanda. I say, funny enough, Dre and I say Wakanda forever. Yeah, right. Wakanda forever, let's, man. <laughs> Wakanda forever. You know? <laughs> uh, let's build what we know to be possible. Yeah, and leave a legacy for you know our our our, our children's children's children to look back and say, "Wow, who would have thought this was possible?" You know. Yeah, yeah, man, and like I so. 
I just I'm imagining people. Th- I mean, this sounds amazing. I want to jump on an airplane right now <laughs> and just come <laughs> and just come over there. But I, you know, I'm thinking of just a lot of the. Um, so we've covered some of the stereotypes or some of the myths, you know, that people have heard that. Um, I think there's a lot of fear that's been instilled in many of us, you know, in in America from going to Africa, you know, with all us seeing just the poverty and the tents and the and the only thing that you see that even seems remotely possible but still scary for most of us is like safaris with tigers, you know, and shit like that. (laughs) But I want to just talk about a couple of the other, um, I think, stereotypes that I know people hear. And the biggest one, I think, is about um, it being safe. And mm-hmm. um, especially a lot of black people, you know, uh, some people have been traveling a lot and some people are newly traveling. And what's the safety like uh, for people coming to Ghana? So Nigerians come to Ghana because of that. It's safe. I mean, it's it's I walk around at 2 a.m. I have friends who are women. They walk around at 1 a.m., 2 a.m. Nothing happens to them. You can take a cab at 1, 2 in the morning. I mean, I've been to clubs. There's no fights. I mean, I've never seen someone get shot or stabbed. It just doesn't happen here. And if it does happen, it becomes like a national day of mourning, right? Mm. It's not in the U.S., oh, another shooting. Okay, like, no, it doesn't. If something happens to that effect, it is a national crisis, right? Um, A journalist just got killed. It's a national crisis, right? It's a national thing. The president comes out and gives it. It's just not the norm, right? In the U.S. or the places, oh, you know, business as usual. Right. And so here, that is not the reality for many people. Um, and that's another reason why even from, a you know, to talk finance and investing, investors prefer Ghana because it's politically safe and stable. And it's also a leader and a model for safety in general across Africa. Yeah. OK. And another another question, you know, I know that we have just a lot of LGBTQ listeners, you know, on the line. And, um, and there's just a lot in the news around, you know, safety for LGBTQ people. So what is a way for this community to come um, and be safe in that environment? Because I know there's a lot of, you know, there's a big difference between America and, and Africa in terms of LGBTQ rights. Definitely. I think people are thinking of Uganda, where they, I know there have been some issues. That's East Africa. And Ghana, there was some pressure or some conversation about, you know, making illegal. Ghana is a place where literally a lot of my friends who are LGBT, they love it here, right? Because they just don't feel the pressures to, oh, you're identified as this or that. It's just we blend in, you know, people, at least for me, no one really cares, right? Yeah. Um, it's just not a thing. And so it's funny because I was talking to a friend of mine who's, you know, he's from Botswana and he's uh, he's, he's an openly gay man and he's actually a celebrity in Ghana. He's a, he's a socialite, <laughs> you know? Wow. And yeah, it's crazy. And people accept him, you know, he, he when he, and I always ask him, and when you come, I'll have him do it. I say, man, you know, give him the introduction. And he gives them this very, you know, flamboyant introduction and we love it, right? Because it's who he is, right? So it's just, again, Ghana is a place where people accept you for who you are, right? And that's just the reality. And that's my truth. Maybe if you speak to someone else, they may give you a whole different perspective. But from what I've seen, we don't have any issues. You don't, You wouldn't find people chasing someone with a knife or 
a gun or put it just no it, it just doesn't happen here got it no see this is really good information because even for me that was one of my you know one of my fears as an openly gay guy and i'm like on my instagram and all my music and all the stuff you can tell mm -hmm. It's obvious, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, my God, what if I go to Ghana, and then they know that I'm gay, and then they kill me in the no, middle no, of the night? You, like, that's like, you know, time. like, that's like, the, but this is, I know that my thoughts are also what other people's thoughts, you know, will be, will be as well around just the fear that's been, I think the thing that's really coming up for me, Kojo, as we're talking is the fear that has been systematically placed inside of us to keep us from returning home. You know, it's just, it's crazy how deep that is and how, um, how long that fear has been pressed into us. And I think it's so important that we undo that. I, I tell everyone, I don't care who you are, what you are, this place will have you really rediscover who you are. It's funny, I just left a um, session with a friend of mine, fraternity brother, a white guy who calls himself Kwame. His name is Professor Damien Duchamp. And this is his eighth trip, and his initial trip was I brought him in April 2016 when I was working with TEDx Accra. And, you know, he loved it. It was very exciting, very new. He did his PhD, his dissertation on Ghana. And now, you know, he's planning to be here for the summer as he's looking and we're looking to really build the tourism ecosystem. And this is a white guy. He's French and, you know, French and American. So... There's tons of people you'll meet in Ghana who tell you that story of, I call it their personal Aquaba. You know, Aquaba means welcome. So for me, I invite everyone to come experience your Aquaba, your welcome. It could be so many different things. You know, it could be somber. It could be confusing, especially if you visit the, the slave castles yeah. and actually go into the dungeons. And I mean, that experience is very emotional can you give people now that was that was actually the part when i was talking to Dorea after her trip that took me aback and at the same it was it scared me but at the same time drew me in can you tell people who don't know like what the slave castle in the last door just like what that is as um things definitely. to see when they're in ghana definitely so in ghana one of the prominent things that we have is our culture uh that's probably the biggest draw factor for ghana is our culture and so as part of that Ghana is where, as I mentioned earlier, you have most of the slave forts that were built by the Europeans. Uh, one of the most popular ones outside of Accra is the Cape Coast Slave Castle. And on the tour, you get to go into the dungeons where they held women and where they held men. You can still feel the heat. Um, and it's funny, one woman did a... Uh, she did a project where she stayed in the actual dungeon for 12 hours. And it was just, I mean, you can't even imagine what that begins to feel like. And so that's the biggest, uh, probably the biggest draw when it comes to uh, cultural tourism in Ghana currently. It's the slave castles. And so with that, there's a door that, it's not the original door. However, it still has the same symbolism where this was the final door before you were exported to the slave ships. And so they called it the door of no return. And so what happened uh, a few years back was our African-American brother and sisters came back and they affixed a door of return. And so part of the ceremony now is you go through the door of no return, you're told the story, and then depending on who your tour guide is, 
again, if you hit us up, we know who the right people are. There's a ceremony, and then you walk back through the door of return. And that is when a lot of people either break down or you feel the sense of awakening that your ancestors are essentially telling you, you are the strongest version of us. You survived. And because of that, no matter what challenges you face, no matter the bullying at work, no matter the being called, you know, whatever they call you, you are a warrior. And that's what Ghana means. Ghana means warrior king or queen, right? And so when the name Ghana was given to Ghana, it wasn't so that it would be confined to a geographic location. It was such that the spirit of a warrior lives in all of us. And that is what that experience is like. Man, I just like, this is amazing. This is amazing. We could talk to you for so much longer. And I'm sitting here <laughs> looking at the time like, man. But yeah. for everybody who, like me right now, is curious and itching about planning a trip to Ghana, what are the best approach? Because you obviously said if they know the right people. So who are the who do they reach out to? Who do they talk Definitely. to? Where do they look? You know, what's the best Definitely. what's the best time of the year to come? Give us that Definitely. kind of info. For twenty nineteen, come anytime. I mean, we have events happening every single month. I mean, literally. If you go on the year of return dot com, there's a calendar to see what's happening, who's hosting it, where is it taking place, and so on and so forth. Um, in terms of Ghana in general, Ghana is an expensive place. Uh, there have been studies done that say Ghana, in terms of pricing, is on par with Italy. So the misconception, again, another thing that people don't know is that you don't come to Ghana with $200 or $300. You can, right? There's a backpacking community that loves to just travel light, travel cheap. And not saying you can't. From experience, you, you will not truly uh, experience all that you can. And so... What I advise is you team up with a recognized or reputable friend even, or at minimum, uh, someone that knows Ghana. At best, you get your entire trip curated. So with Drea, she was already coming, so certain aspects were already in place, right? She was a speaker for a conference, so her hotel was covered, transportation was covered. It was basically the tour aspect, seeing Accra, seeing Cape Coast, and we did that for her. Even if you're coming and you have nothing, just know that the visa process in itself can be cumbersome. Uh, Ghana is becoming a destination. It's not a destination yet. So the visa uh, process requires you to get a visa, ideally if you're coming from the States, at one of the embassies, one in New York, there's one in Houston, there's one in uh, Arkansas, there's one in DC. There is visa on arrival. However, it's a tedious process, at least right now. However, myself and a few other people I know uh, can facilitate that for you, and we've done that for people as well. Um, ideally, after that, it's all about who you are as a traveler. Um, what I recommend is you stay in at minimum a three-star hotel because also it is Africa, and there's considerations of if you eat the wrong food, you can get sick. So I just advise you try to stay in a established hotel or a place that's reputable so that you do not have those issues. Because the last thing you want to do is skimp, you know, literally think you're coming on a shoestring budget and you're just subject to the worst conditions and you eat the worst food and then you're sick, right? That's not what you want to experience, right? So I'd say, ideally, yearofreturn.com or uh, there's a Ghana official tourism site. So listen, people, do yourself a favor, budget, save some money, use some of your tax refund and do yourself the favor of 
discovering who you really are. Don't listen to what media has told you or what history books tell you. Take a trip. We go everywhere else. We go to Europe. We go to Asia. It's not as pricey because the ecosystems there work, right? It's purposely, in my opinion, a twofold approach to why it's so expensive to come to Africa and travel in and around Africa. However, do yourself the favor and just for once in your life, bite the bullet, make it happen. And I guarantee you, I call it the Ghana bug. You will be back. Mm, I love this, man. I love this. Well, I'm putting it here on like recording. I am coming <laughs> to Ghana in 2019. So Kojo, we got some planning to do. Ray's <laughs> hey, coming back, so I can't wait to host you both. Yeah, man. Well, awesome, everybody. Well, thank you so much, Kojo. For people who want to look you up and look up what's going on, um, what's the best way for them to find you online? Definitely. So I have a website, terryopong.com. That's T-E-R-R-Y-O-P-P, like the song, O-N-G.com. <laughs> and uh, my Instagram is at global, G-L-O-B-A-L, mogul, M-O-G-U-L, Chale, C-H-A-L-E. So global, mogul, Chale. And I'll end it on this. Chale means friend. So if you have Ghanaian friends, you've definitely heard this before. If you haven't, when you come to Ghana, whenever you greet somebody, say, how are you doing, Chale? Unless it's somebody older than you, then you have terms of respect, auntie, uncle. And these all things, again, hopefully if you plan a trip the right way, whoever's bringing you or helping you get around will teach you these uh, cultural things to do. All right? Yeah, brother. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Kojo for for coming on and educating us in this way and for those of you listening if you haven't done so already make sure you go to motivationforblackpeople.com where thousands and thousands of other black people are joining together to get information every week free audio guides to help educate you to help make your life better so that we can break through the system break through the cycle break the generational patterns of oppression that have held us back and set ourselves free So that's all on motivationforblackpeople.com. This has been Justin Michael Williams, and I will talk to you on the next episode. Bye.